0: Tommy? Yes, sir? You know what they usually say uh, when you're having a panic attack? You're having an anxiety attack, right? You know what they say about your breathing? Probably slow it down? hmm Okay. That's kind of it. I yeah. did it. Yeah. If you have a paper bag, you should take that. You should okay. take some deep breaths into it. Deep breaths, Tom. Yep. Turns out deep breathing is for suckers. <laughs> <laughs> we're taking on breathing now? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm ready. I'm we, all ears. We, we're going to take on breathing. Well, so, all right. Uh, we've got we, we've got a a, a Ph.D. Mm. I don't know what he's a Ph.D. in. He's mm. a mind sale uh, a expert psych, and a psychologist. I'm going to guess his Ph.D. is in psychotherapy, psychology. Sure. Sure. Uh, he says uh, that, you know, OK, OK, if you want to take on breathing, that's kind of how I feel like he's characterizing this conversation. Oh, breathing again. <laughs> he says, OK, if you're going to do this, take medium regulated breaths, inhale through your nose and exhale with your mouth. Okay, he says both uh, deep and shallow breaths pose their own issues. He says deep breaths have been known to exacerbate the problem by elongating hyperventilation that commonly occurs during a panic attack. And on the other side, breathing too shallowly causes a feeling of suffocation and can increase those feelings. Hallelujah to that, increasing the feelings of terror. Sure. I get that. You don't want to shallow breathe. You just pass right out. I thought shallow breathe led to the word that you just said. Hyperventilating. A hyper hyper. I think that would be hypoventilation. ventilation. Oh. Maybe making that up, but okay. I think there's a hypo and a hyper. Okay, got it. So, so you want to be in the Goldilocks zone. Sure. Right? You want to be right in the middle. <laughs> not too hard, not too soft, not too shallow, not too deep. The Goldilocks zone. Wow. But then he says breathings for chumps. What you really <laughs> want to do.
1: Is he a fish? So,
0: those are my words. Oh. What you really want to do is take off. And this is, I just want you to do me a favor. Let's just back up a minute. Oh, Close your eyes. Are you closing your eyes? Done. Okay. I want you to do some creative visualization with me. Okay. You're taking off your shoes and you're walking outside. Oh yeah. Right outside your apartment in Los Angeles. Right right outside. (laughs) And you're going to, you're going to try to, to distance yourself from the traffic and the noise. Oh. And you're going to take off your shoes and your socks. Again? Did you do that already?
1: I already did that, but I, I, I can put them back on and then Put them back off. on
0: and yep. then take them off again. Weird. So now they're off. Got it. Really off. Yeah. And I want you to put your feet, find some dirt. It might be a small yard. It might be a construction area across <laughs> from you. Yep. And I want you to put your feet in, in the dirt <laughs> right. and go ahead and, and make fist with your toes.
1: Ooh, McLean style.
0: In the dirt. Right. Well, I'm, I added that. Oh, okay. What do you think about that? How do you feel?
1: Am I standing out there with my eyes closed, or are my eyes closed just in- <laughs> No, Because no, that's actually scary. Person,
0: no. Oh, okay. I didn't know if <laughs> that was part totally of it. totally failed creative visualization number one.
1: You're the one that had me is... wandering into a construction zone with my eyes <laughs> <No>. closed. <laughs> I'm on top no. of things, Pete.
0: <laughs> oh, for crying out loud. No, I get it. I get it. So this I'm there. Is the worst. No, I'm there. I'm
1: back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what is that? I, I would think that that could actually be calming- If only because it's redirecting, it's giving me something to concentrate on, something tactile. It's very repetitive, so it's not interesting, but it takes just enough attention to draw it away from something else. There you go. Look what a smart guy you
0: are. This is what Dr. Stout says. He says that anxiety is just energy, and it can flow out of the body and mind just as quickly as it arrives. And so he recommends this practice. This is not a metaphor. Uh, This means you need to go find some dirt. And ground yourself. This is grounding. You are sending the anxiety, the energy, back into the earth, and giving yourself a reprieve. Oh, if you are okay. uh, any sort of misophobe, oh. <laughs> I would say if you have that abnormal fear of filth or specifically dirt, <laughs> this is this not. This is probably not <laughs> not for you. <laughs> I've always liked. I like
1: the idea of the, the anxiety going into the ground, but I would still like to be able to control it and unleash it on someone else. <laughs> I've always, that's what I, my sad superpower is, is that I could take my anxiety and X-Men it onto someone else, and now they're relatively anxious, and I'm doing great. <laughs> what a terrible, what a terrible Avenger I would be. <laughs>
0: Welcome to What's That Smell, a sometimes funny podcast about humans and their anxieties. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Tommy Metz III. And every week, we each drag one of our deepest, darkest anxieties into the light to share it, learn about it, and hopefully laugh about it with all of you. Reach out to us. We
1: want to hear from you. Please send us the story of your anxiety to uh, something stinky at rashpixel.fm. That's something stinky at rashpixel.fm.
0: Okay.
1: All right. And with that, Pete, with your blessing, I will go first.
0: And you have
1: to. When I was in seventh grade, I had the chance to sing a solo in front of the entire school, or what I remember as the entire school. It was probably like eight people. But when you're in seventh grade, eight people is the world. It was part of a choir concert, and it would just be me and a pianist. And I had chosen to sing What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong, uh, partly because of its use in the movie Good Morning Vietnam. Do you remember that entire part of Good Morning Vietnam, which at the time I was obsessed with? It It had come out the year before. There's that whole montage about Vietnam, and they play What a Wonderful World in its... Completion? Does that sound familiar? This is not important. I was yeah, oh, wondering. yeah. You do
0: remember that. Okay. Oh, yeah. totally. Oh, that's, absolutely. It's that's
1: why that was on my mind. I'm not an old soul. <laughs> I just always loved that. <laughs> uh, and then it finishes and he goes, the great Sachimo," And I was like, what's Sachimo?" Anyways, back to me. Anyways, I loved the song. I've been practicing and practicing. And just to relive the moment, Pete, I would like to sing a portion of the song for you. Very short. Oh, outstanding. Okay. This is a little glimpse into the past. And I didn't do it with an accent. Like with a Louis Armstrong weird accent, because that's probably racism. Here we go. <laughs> I see skies of blue and clouds of white. The bright blessed day, the dogs say good night, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Not the best, but how did that sound?
0: No, it was really that was quite something. Did anything I'm sound sorry. a little bit weird? It did I have to tell you I'm not entirely sure that those are the words but maybe I've been hearing it wrong all these years. What do you think I said? <laughs> I kind of think you said that the dogs say goodnight at some point and I'm not sure that's it, Tommy. Pete, that's exactly what I said and that's what I said up on that <laughs> stage in the
1: 7th grade, The Bright Blessed Day and the dogs, <laughs> and the dogs say, say goodnight. <laughs> of course the original lyric is the dark sacred night. But I, yeah. this was before, I think this was before the internet. No, this was absolutely before the internet. And so I couldn't just look up lyrics. And I'd always heard it as the dogs say goodnight. I guess, meaning like they howl. Like mm-hmm. dogs howl at night, so they're saying goodnight. I don't know, it never got that far. But I said the dogs wow. say goodnight. And no one noticed. I bet you really
0: leaned oh. in on it too.
1: <laughs> I really, I had a clip. It was weird. No, it was... <laughs> It was fine. I completely got away with that. No one knew that I said it because you were able to capture it, but potentially because I had sort of warned you that maybe something's coming up. Um, No one ever noticed it. And it wasn't until a long time later, Pete, in California. I had graduated from high school, college, moved here, and it was a part of some terrible spoken word poetry (laughs) that I at some thing that I'd gone to a long years ago. And someone just was saying the words as part of it. And he just said out loud in the dark, sacred night. And I said, oh, no, (laughs) it's been decades where I have been thinking the exact wrong thing. Pete, that goes to my anxiety today. How? It is saying words or phrases incorrectly for most of my life (laughs) and never knowing until it's maybe too late. Uh, This is obviously not the greatest anxiety to have, meaning the most serious anxiety. But I think some people can maybe identify with it. uh, And maybe you can, too. If you don't mind, I'd like to give you a couple more that I have found out way late in life. Okay. Okay. Good. No, this is great. Uh, Actually, let's see if we can make this a game. If you open a CD or back in the day, a record, inside there would be a lot of text written about bands or the song lyrics. What were those notes called? (laughs) Liner notes. Liner notes. Well, yeah. Until somewhat recently, I've always called them linear notes. I don't know why. (laughs) They're linear notes.
0: That's just what they are. Many, many of them are straight. Right. Except for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And
1: part of this is because these are things that don't. These are words that don't come up too much. Luckily. Yeah. uh, Another one is what's a word that starts with H that means like a lot of excessive language or exaggeration? He was full of hyperbole. Yep. How do you think I pronounce it? Hyperbole. Hyperbowl! (laughs) Hyperbowl! For the win! Hyperbowl for the win. And then the last one, this word does not come up very much, but it's moniker. Oh, oh. The word moniker meaning another word for a name. Uh, And I have always, when I read it, I have always in my head said monkier. (laughs) Which is just (laughs) adorable. Monkier, what? The weird part about both liner notes linear, hyperbole, hyperbole, and monkier and moniker is when I would read them to myself, I would read them correctly. Huh. Meaning I knew what they meant. And if I heard the word moniker, I knew what it meant. But if I read it, it meant it said monkier, even though I knew it had the like I never brought them together. Does that make any sense at all? I can't really explain no, it, that. It, 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 it just it, it, does, it does, exists actually. somehow on print and verbally differently, but they I know what they mean. Um and then this very last one that I have learned legit in the last probably two months. Did
0: you call it legit? I
1: did not. It's the we, we won't worry about making this a game, but it's um I have always called it Akai berries. Purple berries found on palm trees, known for their antioxidants. Of course, A C A I
0: is pronounced how? Well, see, now, Tom, huh. you're getting into one that's mine. I I I've never really known for sure. I've always <laughs> called it a Sai. Close. It's acai. You're supposed to say the ye at the end. You're acai. supposed to say the ye? Yes. Okay, so you're not that you're not far off from other people okay good so anyways uh this is a little
1: bit of an anxiety that i have of just because the real fear involved is i wonder how many people i've said it to throughout my life these things it's like having food on your face and no one tells you but for years
0: yeah like decades (laughs) you
1: have pizza and then 10 years later they go by the way you have pizza on your head what are you doing (laughs) with your life Rethink things. Do you have any connection? We already talked about acai
0: berries, but do you have any kind of connection to this? I, you know, I think so. I, I, now correct me if this is if if I'm not thinking about this correctly, but I, I think you're you're referring to a, a trend to malapropisms, right? I mean, that's the, the, but maybe not. Can like, be. This I, was the yeah the yogi Berra thing, right? Texas has a lot of electrical votes instead of electoral votes. Uh, kind uh, of it gets, happens when speaking, but. It gets near malapropisms, it gets near spoonerisms, but it's
1: not exactly the same. I did some digging, trying to find an actual phobia of this, and I was able to find orthographobia, but that's the fear in which people are afraid of making spelling mistakes. Uh, A lot of them get very close. The one that I was closest to be able to find was, it's a fairly new one, it's called Grammar Anxiety, and it's the basic
0: idea of... That sounds like a jacket I'd like to wear. Grammar anxiety? <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. going to put that one right on. It's, if that's a thing, I want to own it. <laughs> uh, it's the idea of
1: that you need to speak and write correctly for social acceptance. It's usually found in people where English is their second language, mm-hmm. uh, and so they mm-hmm. are worried about not being able to fit in. But still,
0: grammar anxiety, there's something in that that seems to connect with what I'm saying. Does that... Totally, oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, totally, absolutely. And uh, for me, it, it also—I mean, I—I I feel like I—I I don't have any experiences that come to me off the top of my head where I have just made a buffoon of myself right. for not pronouncing. So, but but this is one of those things that I feel like it's there. I just can't put my finger on it, you know, and suddenly I'm anxious because now I don't know what I said, nor do I remember who I said it to. So who knows when they're going to find pizza on my face? (laughs) I wonder if part of this gets into slight in
1: a very different way, but slightly your imposter anxiety from before. Yeah. There's something about yeah. being found out. Of, I would like oh, to think that yeah. I am a smart person, well educated and people
0: pay me to speak in front of them. I have an undergraduate degree in writing and performance. Like I <laughs> right. should be able to get through this yeah. and yet. And then you're I, giving yeah, a speech and, and you say
1: just <laughs> And as Louis Armstrong yeah. said, the dogs say goodnight and they're like nope. The dogs,
0: <laughs> Did he say that? We really need to look at yeah. that. Yeah, I, I think you could maybe be able to get away with it in a. Sp- Speech. In a
1: speech, because they'll be like, oh, interesting. I get it. Yeah, if right. you TED Talk it, they'll just assume that
0: it's smart. Oh, yeah, they'll and somebody will go and, and look for it and put it on Lyric Genius, and suddenly you are, <laughs> right. just, you are a great I'm find. the genius. <laughs> You're the cultural ideologue. Well done.
1: But yeah, being involved in corporate training at times, you know, I'll be speaking uh, in front of 300 people at a time. That's not a lot, but it's a lot for some people. And with yeah. Young Storytellers, this week I'm actually um, leading a... What's called a big show for young storytellers, and it involves hundreds of people. And with that involved, because one to one, if I was to make a mistake in front of someone, it would—it's fu- kind of embarrassing. But I'm a fairly self-deprecating person already. I'm pretty easygoing oh, yeah. about pride, so that's not the issue. It's the idea of trying being paid to teach people, and this—that bubble bursting immediately. Because mm-hmm. imagine if someone said that they knew a lot about computers and they pronounced the word meme as mimi. <laughs> Yeah. Pete, that happened to me recently. Someone called it a meme to me recently. And it kind of changed my perception of that person a little bit. I got to be honest. Sure it does. I was sure nice it does. because I have this anxiety. Instead of saying, it's meme, I said, I think I've heard it as meme, but maybe you're right. That's how I always do yeah. it. Because that's enough to maybe they'll look it up. That's enough of saying, you might have pizza on your face, but who's to say?
0: <laughs> so my kids uh, go to this camp. And I think that... Uh, I, I, maybe you've just defined why I love this camp so much. The the saying at this camp, it's called camp trackers, and they're just amazing, and they have this, like, Bill of Rights thing. And one of the elements of this Bill of Rights is uh, you, sh- you should always be learning, right? You should always be learning something new, and we're going to learn without judgment. If you're doing something wrong... Then you need to be in a position to accept guidance. And mm-hmm. if you see somebody doing something wrong, you need to be in a position to offer guidance in a non judgmental way. And so they have these t shirts. I have a t shirt and it has like a dragon on the top of it. And the saying is, you're doing it wrong, do it better. <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay. Now, now, I understand how that sounds. If, culturally, we are rash. attuned to receiving. Yeah, right. to, that, that sounds very harsh. Yeah. And, and we're used to hearing something like you're doing it wrong as as something that is is hard and full of judgment. And, and I think that what these kids, thousands of kids every summer and throughout the year during their apprentice programs are taught is that uh, it's okay if you deliver it right. It's okay to say, hey, that's uh, what you're doing there isn't right. Let me show you how to do it better. You're doing it wrong. But I can help you improve, hmm. and that I find very touching. Yeah, and it's it's funny, and it leads us to talk about it, uh, you know, by saying you're doing it wrong, do it better. But the result is everybody's learning and everybody's teaching. Now I run into this all the time when I'm teaching too. I teach at a university and right. uh, with with mostly adult students, and that's it's really scary teaching now because the students have at their fingertips the combined. Collection of all world knowledge. And I have what's in my head and what I was able to put in my keynote presentation earlier in the day. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like, and so I'm, I, it has taken me the better part of a decade to figure out how to say out loud, man, I'm glad you caught that. Let's explore what I had wrong on my PowerPoint slide. Let's explore that some more because what I have is clearly dated. It's not a reflection on me. It's a reflection on the fact that these people are, uh, you know, they have access to much more than I do. And we have to change the way we the the way I, I teach as a result of that. And so I know this is a total sidetrack. It's not, though,
1: because I like the idea of taking away from the anxiety and realizing, I mean, especially with teaching, it should be a collaborative process. There's nothing yes. wrong yeah. with that. You don't have to be a king. You're having a conversation, not leading from a pulpit. So I love that. Idea.
0: Yeah. Well, and it gets all the way back to what you, you kicked off this little seizure, intellectual seizure I had here (laughs) with, uh, with, you know, I've heard it meme, but in fact, Tommy, you know, it's meme, you know, it's meme. I do. And, and yeah, well, yes, it's meme. Let me just go ahead and tell you it's meme. Okay. So you can, like, I, I feel like you can take ownership of that and you can say, Hey, it's meme, by the way, it's not meme just so you know, like, it's not, it's not a thing that's a question. That you have it on authority from experience that it's not meme, me. Sure. And it's okay to say that. You're doing it wrong. Do it better. That's why I bring that up. That still sounds to me. <laughs> I got to be honest. Something just to keep in the back of your mind, Tommy. i yeah. grow growing you. Yeah. I'm At some sure point when I, I officially
1: become an adult, that sounds like how a normal <laughs> conversation should go. Instead, I just sort of run away and yell the word meme over my shoulder and then I jump into an Uber.
0: I need to tell you just about my state of mind. I'm exhausted oh. today. I didn't sleep. I had a stress uh, stressful night. Uh, uh, no sleep. Uh, oh stress no! Stress and anxiety. I couldn't get to sleep. And you know what that does to you the next day? You're a mess. Sure. You're a disaster. Absolutely. That's me. I'm a disaster. Uh, and so, of course, as a disaster, I'm driving around and I'm listening to the, I'm listening to the news, Tom. Ooh, that's fun. <sighs> Makes me just hate people. <laughs> I, I think there was a time when I trusted politicians for example but I'm pretty sure that's before I could read.
1: <laughs> but you but you knew what politicians were and you said, "Hey, okay."
0: Yeah, yeah. And then then I started reading and I every day I would pick up the Times and look out the window. <laughs> You know, and and I started I think I started getting wrapped into my parents' politics first, right? Generally centrist when I was young and more progressive over time and gluten. And and then I went to college and, you know, everyone has to be an advocate in college and suddenly politicians yep. truly sucked. Like it wasn't just this sort of generalized air of suck. It it is a true sucking vacuum of suck everywhere. They're the worst because I'm in college yep. and I I am an advocate. Yep. Uh, I mean, they're just the worst. And so, you know, I'm home for break in college. probably between sophomore and junior year, maybe junior, senior. I don't know. And I was dining. I was driving around with my parents. We had gone to the fine uh, Mexican restaurant La Casita, Oh. Uh, which I, I consumed fajitas. Oh. Uh, that's all I ate at La Casita. It's easy. Easy pick. It's great. To and know. then we drove down North Nevada Avenue and we stopped at a light only to see our local con- councilman, Picking up a prostitute. <laughs> You did for real? Yes, yes. <laughs> now you have to know my father and and I, <laughs> I. Like I, I was in in undergraduate in broadcast journalism. My father had been a, a, a journalist. You know, all of my life growing up. My first job was in his newsroom. Like, oh, so you guys are already wearing context. hats that say like scoop yes. on them. Got it. Right, and we knew these faces. We knew these this area of town. We we knew this thing, and so it was very easy to, to look down this, this street and, and North Nevada at that, at that time was, uh, you know, that's where you went for prostitutes, you know, sure. I mean, it's just kind of what was going on. How were you able to see him? Was he not, well, was I'm sorry, right was on it a he? Street. You, but yeah, was he it was not in right a car?
1: Was he standing in front of one of his cars By a, car, by a okay. car.
0: No, it was by a car. So now we're screwed. Mm. I have this belief deep in my heart that our public servants are out there doing good work on mm-hmm. our behalf mm-hmm. every day which is tested every hour by the ones that are tragic non-examples of moral judgment right <laughs> it is it is bananas to me that i open the newspaper or click around a few links on the web and find nonsense just nonsense uh that uh it's causing me to get just worked up every day there is nobody out there who has our best interests at mm. heart, right? I, I, they have their best interest at heart, and hopefully those two things at some point align, like dueling sine waves. <laughs> <sighs> so last oh. week, I talked about how needles make me pass out, and that's that's legit. Like, that is a legit yep. phobia. I, I don't yet pass out from politicians, and apart from getting my ire up, I can generally maintain composure. Okay. But I did a little research. <laughs> about... <laughs> Is this about that same (laughs) senator or whatever it was, that same congressperson? No, 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 that's long past. It's called, Tom, Politicophobia. Politicophobia. sure. It is the exaggerated or irrational fear or dislike of politicians. So not politics, but politicians. No, politicians, the people. And all of the symptoms of panic ensue: rapid heart rate, feelings of dread, feelings of terror. Uh, it is the it is exacerbated by the era of mistrust. We didn't trust our leaders thirty years ago, uh, but suddenly I'm taken to Jack Nicholson and Batman. Right? Wait till they get a load of me. <laughs> People now do seem have, trying to up their game. Yes. Right? Now it's fire and fury. Now it's the missiles are coming. And this sort of language takes that political mistrust and turns it up to 11. So now there's a, there's a sense that not one single one of them clearly and obviously has our best interests at heart. So much so that it's actually being studied by smart people. Oh, smart people. And they're Canadians. Ah, smart Canadians. You know what? <laughs> The and dog say good night.
1: Sorry, that's the new way to say Oh no, is to just to yell the dog say good
0: night. I'm Sagan Sagan washing my Sagan hands Knight. of it. The dog say good night. got it. I'll put it I'll put it on the soundboard. Okay, good. University of Toronto psychologists say that quote, Trump induced fear of nuclear war is a mm. normal reaction. A
1: normal reaction.
0: Yeah, that is becoming a standard. Threats to life and safety, fear of being in constant danger. These things are exacerbated when you have no sense that your elected officials have their eyes on the road to protect you. And it gets even better than that. Shmuel Lisek is the founding director of a laboratory at the University of Minnesota. And I have to take a break and say that he works for the best laboratory that I have ever heard in acronym. Oh, it's all capitals. It's all capital letters. He is the founding director of the Angst Laboratory at the University of Minnesota. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: That's perfect. Wait, what does it, it is. stand for? I mean, because that angst is perfect, but they must have gone through a bunch of runaround in order to make it work.
0: I don't know, uh, Tommy. I think this really rolls off the tongue. Anxiety neuroscience grounded in cross-species translation. So they left out the C. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. I will allow it. I like it. (laughs) Because it's too good. Yeah. Anyway, Shmuel Lissick, uh, he says from an evolutionary perspective, organisms that were overly cautious in the face of low probability threats were more likely to survive and pass on their genes. And humans inherited those genes. We are hardwired to err on the side of caution. And in this day and age, erring on the side of caution can be exacerbated by the news, the media attention, and the general sense of noise uh, around information. He says, so when there's a very small probability threat that is a very high intensity, we tend to worry more instead of not worry at all, he says. And this, Tom, leads to, I think... The mother of all anxieties. Oh. And I've decided I should have probably waited until our our penultimate episode to do this to you. But I'm going to do it now. I'm going to play this card now and see what you have left over. (laughs) It is Apocalypse Anxiety.
1: Yeah. May I ask a follow-up? Sure. Do you know if that has to do with? Is it always man-made? Is it? Could it be biblical? It's across the board. The end of the world.
0: Oh, oh no! It's definitely, uh, it's definitely end of the world. Thanks to threat of nuclear war. Oh, it is. Oh yeah. Oh okay. So we're saying okay. It is man-made, right? Right here. Yeah. Fear of nuclear war. Well, and the way they talk about it is fear of nuclear war or some sort of apocalypse in general. But it is it only came around since around the Second World War. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing people were talking about as an anxiety uh, in, you know, good old Macedonia. Like this is a thing that is a child of modernity. It's the, a child of us having phobia. nuclear. Yes. Got it. Yeah. OK, got it. Yeah. It is a child of of uh, modern warfare. And so here you go. And this is where I, I pose these questions to you and you don't necessarily have to answer them. But oh, it I'm going to answer and I'm going to answer. Them OK, right. well, let's see. Okay, well, let's see, how, let's see if that's even possible. I look <laughs> forward to you throwing your all into it. <laughs> Therapist Michael Salas at Vantage Point Counseling has a, a, a few things to ask yourself the moment apocalypse anxiety strikes. Ooh, okay, wait, let me get in the moment. Okay, I'm- Close here. your eyes.
1: <laughs> I'm, the, the I'm on the construction zone.
0: site. <laughs> I'm making fists with my toes. Got it, go ahead. <laughs> if the event were to happen in the future- How would worrying about it now help? Preparation. Oh, apocalypse. Right. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't, I guess. If it's talking about the end
1: of the world, no amount of canned goods or guns that I buy will make a difference, I guess. So I guess the rational way of saying that is it wouldn't.
0: I, I don't keep keep score. Sure. I don't want to know now, but I want I want you to tell me if you're feeling better or worse, okay. knowing that you didn't have this anxiety before I started talking. Right. I it. know this is
1: this. I appreciate this. What? Irrationally <laughs> preparing or prepping would give me a sense of control. But if we're talking about the apocalypse, it would be false control.
0: Now, knowing that there is a lot of gray area between here and apocalypse town. That's fine. Good point. Uh, number two, what evidence do you have that the catastrophic event is going to happen? It's tough. I mean, evidence that I can really believe in, <laughs> I don't know.
1: I mean, it's tough because we obviously have an administration right now, which is not shy away from using very strong language in public in ways that past administrations have shunned away from. Uh, but also with that comes a lot of bluster. It's I don't know. I feel like I am would have more information and also less information at the exact same time, which does not help at all with the anxiety.
0: Right. Exacerbates the anxiety in, yes. in many regards. So number three, and this is one that's harder to, to sort of answer cleanly. What is the difference between cautious, fearful, and worried? How do you define each of these and which would you most want to feel? Cautious, fearful, and worried. Those are interesting. I would I would yeah. love to say that
1: I would just be cautious. That seems like the safest. One to use or to be mm-hmm. because it seems like the less debilitating, but I'm not sure. What would you say to some of these?
0: Well, I, you know, if I was in an anxiety state, it would be fearful. Right. Uh, Absolutely. If, if there's somebody else that I'm I'm actually, um, you know, if there's health and safety of friends or family are at stake, I'm worried. Uh, but generally for me, if I'm talking sort of selfishly, I would I would want to be in a space of, of caution, caution, of, of ready to act, of, but not letting it consume you. Sure. And, and trying to be aware of what the um, you know, what the stakes are like at any given moment. Because uh, I'm definitely one of those. If we're reaching an apocalyptic scenario, I'm going straight for the ho-hos and the ding-dongs. I'm, I'm going and, and <laughs> to... You're going to live it up? We'll drink every single drop of my refrigerator wine. And, <laughs> like, that I am... <laughs> I just want to say that's where I go. Like, yeah. cautious, fearful, worried, and, yeah, I don't know, what's what's the word that I am? I picture uh, that you just have, like, a
1: do-not-break... Until yeah. emergency, and it's just until filled emergency. with Franzia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's, like, Franzia and, like, a knife. and You don't yeah. even know what the, ni- yeah. the knife is to punch <laughs> no, open the Franzia.
0: Rusted. It's exactly right. It's a rusted exactly knife, right. and
1: you just punch it in because it pours too too slowly. <laughs> okay. Because- <yeah. laughs>
0: That's right. Yeah. Okay. There's one more question. And this is the one that I think is is uh, probably worth reflecting on the most for okay. all of us. It, and it ties back to phobia too, and our general feelings of angst around um around our politicians and those that we have elected to serve us. And that is, what is the information that's being presented and how valid is the resource delivering it? There's the big one. That's the big one. And it it it. it could seem silly to have these kinds of questions, but you know what? It takes the fear and the anxiety and tries to make it um, less abstract. It mm-hmm. tries to help you put words to making the anxiety less abstract. And in that regard, I, I like it. I like just being able to reframe, to stop what I'm doing, and ask myself, "What is the? What do I know? What right. is truth and fact?" And sometimes yeah. all I know is. That, you know, right now, the sun is setting. That's all I know. I don't really know anything else. I don't have fact on anything else. I know what time it is. That's about it. And, and so uh, stopping and saying that I'm existing in truth and fact can can be um, a, a grounding uh, element for me. So
1: Very much so. And uh, along that same line, consider your sources. If it's just from one yep. source... I don't trust some of my family members and I love them. If they tell me that they did something, it's like, yeah, that happened. And then what did Beyonce say? You liar. But instead, otherwise it becomes urban legend. If you just hear a crazy story from one person or from one side, um, that's how urban legends are born. Uh, Instead, if you're able to find it from multiple sources, really try to figure out and just get past the noise. Like you said, and really try to figure out what's out there. It can help because unfortunately we talked about the news before Uh, The news is in the business at times of screaming at us Mm -hmm. and saying that the world is on fire, but they'll tell us at 11. (laughs) True. And it's nine, and you're like, but am I on fire right now? (laughs) I cannot wait till 11 before I drink my refrigerator wine. (laughs) So I think that also is a good point, especially with political phobia and all of the apocalypse fears, is as much as you can, try to get as many different sources as possible. Really try to see, is this a real thing or is this one person – That is just trying to get me all riled up. As much as possible. That's why I get all my news from Etsy. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Etsy. (laughs)
1: Etsy's, everything is doing fine. (laughs) It's just a bunch of doilies (laughs) and homemade necklaces. I mean, Pete, Uh,
0: the world is looking up. (laughs) I'd like to see Sean Hannity's Etsy page. That's got to be a delight. (laughs) What would be on it? burnt pillows it, <laughs> I don't know. it'd be doilies but they would be what the presidential seal would look like with Hannity as the president it's all Hannity <laughs> doilies yep. I like
1: Sean <laughs> pins that's all it is <laughs>
0: Stick around for a glimpse into next week's show. But first, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial when you sign up at www.audibletrial.com slash Scent of a Podcast. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or other MP3 player. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's kind of like a magic trick. You guys, I love Audible. For this week's podcast, I would like to
1: suggest the Audible book, Lexicon, written by Max Berry, because in my anxiety, I talked about how the worry of getting words wrong can lead to anxiety or to public embarrassment. Instead, Max Berry takes us into an alternate universe where students aren't taught just history, geography, or mathematics. They are instead taught to persuade. And through a magical mix of different kind of words, they are able to change events around them and control the world. It is actually the weaponization of words, and it is fantastic. Max Berry has written other books, uh, including Syrup, which is one of me and my friend's favorites, Either way, this week, I would say Lexicon by Max Berry. I'm an enormous fan. It is 12 hours and 36 minutes. So maybe like just make a (laughs) hell of a lot of soup. Ahead of time and just sort of keep it next to you, I would suggest (laughs) Minestrone. Uh, But uh, again, Lexicon. And again, Audible is fantastic. Now wait. And it's the one
0: I can't believe he has this. I didn't even know he had this out. But let me tell you, you should also go get uh, Jennifer Government and Company. Those are also great. Yes. I love all those books. I love all those books. He's He's a great writer. Um, And and so definitely do that for you, listeners of What's That Smell. Audible is offering this free audiobook download, 30 day free trial to sample as much as you want to sample uh, and give you the opportunity to check out their service. If you decide not to stick it out, you cancel within 30 days. You keep the book. You can keep this Max Berry genius lexicon and never have to hear from audible again really you don't you can just break up with them all you have to do is visit www.audibletrial.com slash scent of a podcast to get started today
1: and guys real quick we've been getting some amazing feedback from the episodes and we appreciate you so much and we really just want to say the best way that you can help the podcast if you've been enjoying what you're hearing is give us a five-star review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and then please give us a comment. Let us know what you like about the show and then share it with at least one other person that you like. You can put it on Facebook if you want. That'd be amazing. If not, one or two people, one person each, you share it with them and say, give this a try. It's the best way to help the show so we can continue to deliver uh, stuff that you're hopefully enjoying. So
0: thank you so much. Coming up next week... You're a Ding Dong fan. Ding Dong's a chocolate cake with the creamy filling. What? And probably, probably it would involve pork rinds and uh, Schlitz beer. Those are the three pork. things.
1: Okay, this is already a disaster. I'm putting you on probation. I'm starting again. Here we go. Hey, Pete. <laughs> Episode 10. Let's do this. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to Call for Help by Pete and Tommy. <laughs> Uh, this took place about four years ago. I was out walking in my apartment. That's a uh, that that's the combination of walking and jogging.
0: Uh, and oh, Tom. Don't no, never use that word again.
1: It's an Olympic thing.
0: It's cool. Thank you all for joining us today. Our tune is Folk Rock Clubbers Club by Fable in the World Flat. Totally check these guys out. They're amazing. Until then, I'm Pete Wright and I'm Tommy Metz the Third. Thank you so much for downloading. We'll be back next week
1: on. What's that smell?